mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode eight, and we just want to begin by saying thank you for those of you who are listening, and we have um, enjoyed getting some feedback from a couple of friends who are listening, and um, we just encourage you to share our podcast and ask any questions that you have, and let us know how we can um, keep making it better. So this morning, we're going to share three kind of questions that we've gotten um, in the last week or so, and and um talk about any I feel like I I didn't give great answers to the people that asked me the questions in person and so I wanted to get your take on it Ruth and um, we'll talk about you know what ideas we have because if someone's asking that question then probably someone else wants to hear the answer absolutely Um, okay so to begin I got an email from a past student teacher of mine who (laughs) who is listening to the podcast which is kind of cool and she wanted this I'll just read the part of her email that was the question she said I'm reaching out because I have a room full of third graders who are really struggling with math I think part of the problem is that they're not interested or engaged in it since I know you love math so much I was wondering if you had any tips or resources that would help me help my kids so first of all that's a great question um and i thought well well what would you say what was your what would be your go-to answer so my go-to answer would be listen to episode five when we (laughs) (laughs) gave a shout out to so many different mathematicians that we've met through twitter that i feel like are my very best friends and if we saw them on the street i would recognize them (laughs) hopefully you still look like your profile pictures yeah anyways there's so many resources in that way. So which one doesn't belong? What do you notice? What do you wonder? Um, and I think it goes back to what we learned, what we read about in Tracy Zager's book, that it's almost like you have to redefine math for them yeah. and let them know that math is play and math is discovery. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Vanderwerf was like an Algebra two high school teacher, and she has a play table. I don't think she's in the classroom anymore. She's kind of coaching math teachers now, but that's one of my goals for after Christmas break is to have a table where they can go and play with all of the stuff that we sometimes pull out for them to do manipulatives and give them very guided specific instructions. But how cool would it be if before I got to fractions, they had played with pattern blocks and made Mm -hmm. designs and knew that the red trapezoid could have the same area as the yellow. I mean, I can't even think of all the things that could be discovered. Yeah, and yeah. so what if it was just free discovery with no hidden agenda of I'm going to funnel you into this specific right. question, which is what you have to do in the classroom. But I think if there was something to do in math class that really was fun yeah, and toys that they wouldn't see at home. Right. That's so. good. Yeah, that we'll we'll put the blog post that Sarah Vanderworth she she answers all the questions. So you know all the th- things that immediately come up in your mind, she writes them all. She's <laughs> she's really thorough in her responses. Um, I I uh, suggested to her <laughs> episode five. Also, <laughs> that's funny. And I also drew, um, you know pointed out the Tracy Zager book. And then my other two ideas for her were to check out the Number Talks book by Sherry Parrish because for for the specific reason of struggling learners. I think it is a good way to go back and build number sense, even if your kids have gotten to third or fourth or fifth grade without it, you know, Um, and and she's it's just so well laid out of what is the number sense that we're trying to build in kids and then try this and try this and try this. You know, the, you don't have to come up with the problems yourself to use for number talks. And then I the, also the Vanderwall book, um, I think it will we'll link that too. It's just if you don't know how to teach a particular content area, that's my first go to. You know, it's not a ton to read about any one thing. Um, and it's broken up. There's like a lower grades book and an upper grades book, but it gives the teacher that most important background knowledge. And here's where to start. And here are some tasks or games or, you know, activities that that would start to build the conceptual idea and not just some algorithm. So it sounds like we've answered her question with this is what you can do tomorrow. 
Right. Which is a number talks. Right. And this is what you can do when you start your next unit. Yeah, Vanderbilt. And then Tracy Zager's book might have to be this is what you can do this summer. Yeah. Because it is like drinking from a water hose. Yeah, it's thick. <laughs> and sometimes when you're living on caffeine and drive through <laughs> trying to make it through <laughs> Christmas break or yeah. just the end of the school year, you don't want to have like one more thing on your plate. Right. I mean, I for sure would say that's why God gave us summers off so yeah. we could become better teachers. Yeah. And reading that book would make you a better yeah. teacher. So we'll keep looking for ideas. And actually, she's coming to town for a wedding. And so we're going to get together while she's here oh, and um, maybe do like, I don't know, a mini coaching and just kind of hear. I want to hear more about her classroom and what's working. And yeah. um, I'm excited to share some other things with her. OK, that was question one. And OK, then a second question. I was working with a second grade teacher. Well, wait, let me just back up and say this is a personal thought. I'm just kind of excited that people are asking questions, you know, like you do a lot of study and you're like, no one cares. No one cares. But <laughs> we're finally getting I'm getting some questions, which is kind of which is just feels good. You know, um, I'm still sometimes feeling a little deer in the headlights like, oh, gosh, I don't have a quick answer. <laughs> but I think that's OK. I think people you know, realize that I'm still learning too. So, and I think that's a great model for a teacher in the classroom. Oh, yeah. Right? Because sometimes a student is going to ask you a question that you really don't have a good answer for. Mm -hmm. And there's so much power in you saying, hmm, I'm going to find that out. Yeah. And then really doing the research, even if it's just asking another teacher. Right, yeah. But to see that student, you've modeled what you want their behavior to be mm -hmm. when they find something they don't know. Right. Yeah. I like that. That's a good thought. That that kind of makes me feel better about myself when I don't have an immediate <laughs> answer. Um, okay. So this was so cool. The second grade teacher is a first year teacher and she was like kind of preparing, looking ahead to one of their second grade standards, which says um, it's about equality and understanding that the equal sign means um, not the answer is coming, but it means what's on either side of the equal sign is the same or balanced or equal. Mm -hmm. And then also they have to do the um, the not equal sign, you know, with the slash to it. So she was talking to her teammates who are one year experienced teachers and they knew they remembered a misconception from the year before. Oh, that's <laughs> like that's, you know, um, pedagogical content knowledge, which is like something that you often don't get other than just teaching it. So they lived through it one year and they realized, OK, this is I would never thought of this. But she explained to me that they told her um, when they when the second graders see a problem that says, is this a true or not true statement. And the problem said, for example, one plus four does not equal six. Okay, that's a true statement. One plus four does not equal six because it really equals five. But they would see that statement. And if they're being asked, is this true or not true? They would say it's not true because they saw the not equal sign. Like, whoa, you're right. That's really confusing. Like not equal, not true. So, um, hmm. If, if you had been sat that no. question, <laughs> well, I can say what I would say. You want me to say that? I, yeah, say, I really say wanted to know what you wanted, what you would say. Well, I kind of have that deer in headlights and you've just like yeah. thrown this at me and uh -huh. you want me to respond. <laughs> so that's a really good question. Think, 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 think. <laughs> um, you tell me and okay. I'll see if I have okay. Yeah, you probably will. Okay. So I was like, I said, Okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I That's tough. I acknowledged her str the struggle, right? Um, and then I said, however, what you're asking me is a testing question. Like, that's not a develop the understanding of equal sign question. That is, can you look at it on paper at the end of the nine, at the end of the unit and answer this way that some person asked the question, okay? So I said, you have to develop the idea first. You have to understand, they have to develop mm -hmm. the concept of equal before you ever even go to, is this one on the paper true or not true? Like that's the end goal. So I was like, you're gonna have to, I drew her back to the whole concrete representational abstract CRA sequence that we want to go through. And I'm like, you have to do it concrete first. Have you ever seen a number balance? And she was like, yeah, 
I think I have it here. And she pulled down a balance scale. And I was like, well, that's the same idea, but a number balance is a different thing. Do you, have, you've used a number balance. You've borrowed. In, yes, yeah. borrowed yours. I don't um, have one. So a number balance is not a balance scale like you would measure. This is hard because we're trying to describe it. Um, you can't see it. We'll, we'll put a link and so you can see it. But um, a, a balance scale just measures mass, that, you know, the difference mm-hmm. between two things. Well, a number balance is a, um, has a long, like two long skinny arms that go off on either side still has that it's called the fulcrum in the middle right right? um and then it has place it like pegs going out so on both sides there's a one that's one spot away from the fulcrum and then on both sides there's a two a three and i think ours go all the way out to 10 or 12 so it's this long arm and then you hang these tags like pieces of plastic you hang them on each of those numbers and if you put like for example on the right hand side a one and a five no, let's use the example I used before. If you put a one and a four, a tag on the one and a tag on the four on one side, and you put a tag on five on the other side, because of how it's balanced, that's a true statement. So the balance scale will go straight across and be balanced. But if I were to put one and five, one and four on one side and six on the other, then it's going to lean down on the six. So we we actually looked in her in her drawer and she was like i looked uh, there's one you have a number balance she didn't know that's what it was um and it was this little tiny cute one it was miniature like a third (laughs) of the size of the real ones and i pulled it down and i showed her and she was like oh my gosh oh my gosh this is awesome you know you really can do um is it equal concrete you know um what a cool thing and she was like you're so smart and i'm going no i'm not i just have experience and i've learned the tools that match to the content that we have to teach you know that's not smart that's just experience um (laughs) that's old i'm just kidding yeah yeah So I told her, start there and build the concept. And, you know, I don't think two or three different lessons is too many to do there. Oh, for sure. Um, And then, you know, I've tried. I didn't have a very good answer of how to go representational next, like drawing it. I don't really know. Um, But then work towards here are these equations on paper. Figure out does the equal sign or the not equal sign go in between them. And then go to is it true or not true. And to, to approach that true or not true, I said... Why don't you tell her that this is somebody's work in the other class? Like, look, a kid answered these problems and they put in equal here and not equal here and equal here and not equal here. Can you check their work? And if their if their answer is true, give them a check. If their answer is not true, put an X. So that true or not true would equate with checking the person's work, pretending that it's another second grader's work. Right. So. That's I knew you were going to go to your number balance and then you said representational and my mind went to maybe it's still concrete, but you could draw it. What if you just had like the foam tiles and you just built it? So you put one and four on this side and you put five on this side and then you counted them or even the whole checking thing. If everyone had a different equation or a different equality so i have to do two and four on this side and seven on this side and Mm -hmm. then everybody gets up and moves to someone else's desk and you write the right sign Mm -hmm. is theirs equal or is theirs not equal yeah and then you get up and you move one more time and you check to see if the person who put the equal or not equal sign did it correctly i like that so you could do that with your foam tiles or they could illustrate it. That could be your representation where you yeah. put those dots right on this side. And probably in second grade, there are students who would still struggle with knowing what four plus three is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So letting them have the practice of drawing that four and three on yeah. one side is still practicing that. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. I mean, we, we had previously talked about how they were still struggling with some related skills and so i was like this is another good time to practice addition and subtraction yeah um i like that i like that idea of make one and then the next person puts equal or not equal and then the third person checks it kind of like a rotating thing she could definitely do that at her small group table mm-hmm. that would be cool um you made me think of something else but it's just slipped my mind um 
oh, oh, I just gave her an idea for a higher task. And then as I was saying it, I was thinking to myself, Tracy, everybody could do that. Don't limit, you know, don't limit your who gets it. Um, but oh, I gotcha. gave her one other idea, which would be this was I thought this was really cool. Um, put put three tags on one side. So that was that would represent the expression, for example, um, two plus four plus six. Put that on one side and then say on the other side, I want you to make this balance, but use two tags. And she was like, oh, I don't know. They could do that. And I'm like, well, watch if all they could do is put it on and go, that's not equal. And then think about whether to move them up or down. They can do that. They can guess and check till it balances out, you know, um, and that's going to help them. They're going to learn, hopefully, if you're, if, especially if you're drawing their attention to what's happening as they're moving it. And then then you land. So I said two and four and six. So that's 12. Then you land on, let's say, five and seven. You have your two tags on five and seven. And now they can write the um, equation that they're seeing, you know, from that. So they would write two plus four plus six equals five plus seven. And they've created this. They've created an equation, not just assessed this equation, you know. That's really good. So I'm thinking about this little mini number balance that was it's, like a third of the size. It's so cute. Is it like a student one? Yeah. Yeah. So are there, is there a class set somewhere? I'm sure. Somewhere I don't know. <laughs> she only had two. I don't know how, where they came from, but yeah, check them out. They're teeny. They're so cute. They didn't balance, you know, they weren't as well made. So they didn't balance as perfectly. Um, but they would, everybody at the table could eat everybody at her little small group table could easily have one it was cute we got to look and see if she has more yeah cool okay um jay's laughing at us calling a number balance cute it was cute okay the third one was a third grade teacher who was getting ready to start multiplication and she's going to be doing third and fourth so she was specifically asking me like what comes after two two digit by one digit multiplication and you know I was just so proud of her because she had looked deeply at the um curriculum framework stuff where like all the teacher background knowledge that a lot of people just skip she had like gone through that and was I don't understand this I don't understand this and picked out the things that she didn't know and asked very specific questions oh made my heart so happy um but she she we got to the having and doubling strategy, which is called all kinds of different things. Um, we've talked about it before in the podcast. And she just wanted to know. I think she got it generally how to use it. We went over that. But then she's like, how do you teach it to him? Do you just tell it to him? Or is there you know, she wanted I could I could see that she wanted to help help them discover it because um, it's it's not something I think kids are just going to walk into. Most kids. Some oh, might. For sure. Because um, a lot of adults don't even know it or use it yet. Right. So I blanked. I, I just couldn't come up with something that was strong. I was just like, look at the number talk book. I'm sure it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so what would you have said in that moment? Well, we did this with... So we were reading Tracy Zager's book this summer. And we got to... It was like the chapter task. where it was like editing task. And I don't even remember what the original task was, but I just know we nixed the whole entire worksheet <laughs> except for the sentence at the top that said, you have 24 cookies. What can your pans look like? Okay. So we gave 24 cookies and had them just arrange them. And then... I strategically walked around and looked for all the different ways to arrange them. And okay, so I, and in arrays, though, right? In arrays, okay. yes. So on the board, um, we wrote one group of 24 or one row of 24. Okay. And right under one row of 24, then we wrote two rows of 12. So then I changed my marker color and I wrote three rows of eight and six rows of four mm -hmm. and then you just say what do you notice what do you wonder mm -hmm. um hopefully they'll wonder why you changed markers in the middle of it yeah hopefully they'll notice that on the left side all of the numbers are in order um increasing okay and on the right side they're decreasing mm -hmm. and eventually they will see the relationship that you doubled the one and you have to the 24 and they're the same. Right. 
um, and you doubled the three and halved the eight, yeah, and they're the same, yeah. And so, does that work if you have the three and double the eight? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so now you've walked into fractions or decimal multiplication. Yeah. Where you can change those to create a basic fact, a friendlier number. Right. Um, it's going to take some funneling. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're not going to just true. be like, oh, look, you halved and doubled. But if you've set it up that way and you're following just kind of the process of a number talk. Yeah. You're going to be able to get someone. Well, Sarah Vanderwerf, again, what do you want? What do you notice? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. What that's else? Good. Yeah. I mean, those are her three favorite questions, she says. Yeah. So when going back to the to this class, I think she could exactly do that whole cookie thing. That would mm-hmm. be perfect. It's a manageable number for third graders to work with. Um, just instead of her going from three and eight into one and a half and 16, which is what you said, which would be totally appropriate for your class. Mm-hmm. That's going to freak her people out. So instead, if she had from the number talks book, some of some other problems ready prepared that work really well with having and doubling, she'd be set to go. So she'd pull out another problem and go, okay, let's try it on here. Let's see what happens. You know, um, it's just picking the right problems they're going to walk them into easy to multiply So steps. for me, I'm thinking about any multiple of 12. Yeah. I mean, if she was looking for good numbers yeah, and you have done 24, I wouldn't suggest doing anything smaller than 24 just because there's not a lot of patterns. But like 36? Yeah. I mean, you could do the one and two, the three and four, mm-hmm. and then the six and 12. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because you could keep writing them. So I'm just thinking about this. You could just rewrite them and see that the commutative property is true because when you have and double, if I'm doing, let's go back to 24 and I've written one and 24 and then I wrote two and 12 and then three and eight and four and six. Well, if I'm at four and six and I turn this into eight and three so now i can turn two and 12 into 12 and two and 24 and one Mm -hmm. so there's a repeat of those problems yeah and you've seen the commutative property and you've also seen yeah having and doubling yeah i think this draws back to like my as you're talking my main thing is the teacher has to really think through which examples they're going to they're going to pick out and for this kind of thing because it can be confusing to start with you have to really know where you're going and have those problems in your back pocket um okay i'm going to share that with her i'm probably going to go to school today and say cookies that's your answer (laughs) you need to do cookies um okay so those were our questions if you have questions tell us because it's fun to talk about it and it gives it gives us good practice you know to think about how we're going to and keep answering those questions on the fly sometimes. Um, so I I have had a really good teaching week, Ruth. It's finally feeling, I mean, it's not perfect, but I had a lot of good moments. And last week we talked about how um, we're going into decimals with basically no background knowledge. I mean, just a little bit, a little tiny bit, but most of them don't at all understand what's happening with decimals. And it's been so fun. Um so I, I don't want to like, I could talk for two hours about all the things that we've done. I have to pick like, what's the best thing that we've done? Um, I should go back to the beginning, right? Oh, because sure. that everything that else we built, we built on it. So you shared this awesome PowerPoint with me that someone else made that highlights the relationship in whole number place value. And and we we watched it twice one time silent and then the second time I let them narrate it 
as we were watching to a partner. So I didn't really do any of the talking about this. They just were sitting there talking about it with Mm. their partner as it was going through. That was cool. Um, And basically, it just highlights the fact that you're if you're representing numbers with base 10 blocks, you start with the cube or the unit. Right. And then it goes into a rod and then it goes into a flat and then it's going to go into a cube again. And if you kept going, that pattern is going to continue. Cube, rod, flat, cube, rod, flat. Watch the PowerPoint. It's awesome. It's like a video. Like she turned it into a video. And cool. Animation. Having made a PowerPoint. <sighs> I mean, I just was like, holy cow. She spent yeah. so much How'd time. How did you find that? I don't even. It's. I've had it for such a long time. Okay. Tandy Clausen May is okay. her name. And I tried to like Google her and research it. And she's written these books like, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago. Okay. So I found this and have just had it. And now yeah. you have to buy them. Oh, okay. Well, I made a little, I made a couple of changes to it because I didn't like some of the language. Like she used different names and I want to use unit rod and flat because those are my the words that my kids are used to right you know so and then I changed she's had like million million at the end and I changed it to billion and that kind of stuff anyway um is that the right word thousand million I don't know trillion I guess a thousand million is a billion yes yeah Yeah. all right but she's not from the U.S. and so do you think that's why I don't said that I don't think that's why I think she was trying to make a point but I think it was confusing Whatever. It's a it's a minute point. Okay, <laughs> move on, Tracy. Um, I changed it anyway. So my kids got that. They liked that whole pattern. They were a lot of them really grasped it. So then I brought out the point, which this came straight from Vandewall book, um, that going getting bigger, we're thinking about multiplying each of the place values by ten. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we look at it going the other way? And it took them a while, but they saw they remembered that word inverse relationship between from third grade. And they thought about you're dividing by 10 going the other way. So then we talked about if you're at the unit, the ones place, what would it look like if we divided by 10? And a lot of them knew just enough to say 10th. You know, it took not not everybody immediately went there, but they said it would be a little tiny piece and they had seen those little chips floating around in my room there are pieces there not every teacher knows this but there are teacher there are pieces that are a tenth of the size of the unit cube in base 10 blocks just for the purpose of of showing decimals so they had seen those and they realized so they said it's a tenth so we we actually camped out there for a whole day and just practice reading numbers with tenths. I didn't want to just like zoom into hundreds and thousands like I have before in the past. So we spent a whole day reading numbers two and five tenths and modeling those numbers. Well, then the next day I was like, what if we want to talk about smaller pieces, right? So then I had made this smart board notebook file where I... I get, they they provided some ideas. I'm not suggesting that I just like walked walked them straight into it. They had mm-hmm. some good ideas, but um, I show I made the place values like the names of the place values. I had them at the top, and then I had the base ten model pieces below that. And I was like, watch this, and I touched my finger on the smart board and all the names of the place values and the decimal moved to the left, like. But the place value pieces stayed. So basically, I was showing them the ones unit, the one, the the unit cube, the tiny one, used to be one. But watch this, we're going to shift it, and now the flat is going to equal one. And that's not anything different than I have done in the past when I've ex- explained decimals. But I had not really built a strong understanding of the related to the whole number. Right? Um, I just was like, this used to be one. Now this is one. Move on. You know, but they I let them really sit for a minute with that. Now we're letting the flat equal one. Okay, so I have to insert this because I've been dividing decimals. And we (laughs) forever, forever. What in the world? Well, I've decided that this is like the end of their dividing decimal career. because (laughs) Better get it now. From now on, it's just part of another problem. Yeah. But. I had a student who really struggled on the test and he stayed after school and he's like, I just don't understand. And I said, "Okay, listen, this question originally said, how many sets of five thousandths does it take to make 
$1.50. So the question is 1.5 divided by 5 thousandths. Okay. So I pull out the orange little chips that you have just turned into a thousandths that have been a thousandths in my classroom. Yeah. And I gave him five of those. And I said, how many of sets this big am I going to need to get all the way to a flat and five rods? Okay. I follow you. Okay. And so he, well, he didn't know the answer. He just said a lot. Good. Right? Good. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, what if I ask you how many sets of five does it take to make 1,500? Uh-huh. said, the only thing we've done is move the chip from the thousandths place to the ones place. Oh. And now I've set up a problem that you, because you are, he has a lot of number sense with mm-hmm. whole numbers. Mm-hmm. And he knew that 1,500 divided by five was 300. Mm-hmm. So he was able to say 300. And I said, well, that answer is the same. Because I'm holding the same chips, I just moved the place value. I just changed what they were called so you could have the answer. Because really the misconception is that because 1,500 divided by 5 is 300, when I put it back on the original problem, I have to put a decimal somewhere. Yeah. When you have a decimal here and a decimal here, you have to put one. Right. And he's like, oh. It's not three. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right. Mm-hmm. The answer is still a lot. Yeah. And it's easier to calculate if you move the decimal or if you move the chips on the place value board. And now yeah. I'm thinking about your smart board. Like, I really need to make that because mine is above the board and I have magnets. And I'm yeah. constantly have both <laughs> hands above my head touching that place value. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving... And showing them the visualization like you did is probably huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Especially I, for the first time they did that. I like how in in your math in your division problem, you're not saying move the decimal. You know, which is what we all say when, oh, when right? we learn that algorithm. Move the decimal to the right in your divisor, move it the same amount of time or wait, which yeah. direction? Right. And then move the same amount of times in your dividend. I mean, that's what we eventually land on. But I love the idea that you're just changing what the chip, what it represents. Is that what you're saying? So you can just ask the question a different way. I like that. That's cool. So I, I, we have to get to dividing by decimals, and I'm a little like, ah. But I'm, I have to go back and listen to our own podcast, Ruth, <laughs> make sure I know what I'm doing. Um, okay, so... We built that understanding that now we have the flat is one, and then we went into talking about what hundredths are and what thousandths are. And um, from there, I let them try to model some numbers and try to put in the how to model them with base 10 blocks at the same time that we were learning how to read them. And I have this one friend who is just always trying to surprise me. You know, he know he he is the one who comes in with a lot of background knowledge and um I I hope I'm doing him well, you know, um but when I was like here model this number and it was into the thousandths place or hundredths place, I'm not really sure, but he was like I'll show her and he instead of just putting down the pieces that you would think, you know, like four rods for the tenths and two two units for the hundredths or whatever, he he placed down chips that were equivalent to that but didn't match the digits that were there. So instead of um one of the hundredths he would replace that with 10 of the thousands. And in a past life, I probably would have been like, dude, it says two hundredths. Put two hundredths on your on your table. <laughs> but I knew what was going on. And I knew he was thinking, really, really thinking. So I made the quick decision. I was going to ask them to talk about it or whatever. But instead, I made the quick decision to run around with my smartphone and take pictures of everybody's that was doing something different. And I popped them up on the screen, like using Google Photos. We talked about this on a run that, okay, tech, no geek for here. Uh, But um, I have an iPhone and then I find, I used to have to like email myself the pictures if I wanted to put them on the board, but I downloaded Google Photos onto my iPhone. And so now if I open, I think, I think it works this way. If I open Google Photos, everything that's in my camera photo and like in my photo album dumps into google photos and then i can open it straight on my computer 
Are you following me? I'm following you, and I was going to do that, and I didn't, <laughs> yeah. so I don't have anything to <laughs> Because I have that same issue, and I have this great Apple TV, but half the time it's not even hooked up. And yeah. when you want to, like, snap a picture and show it, yeah, yeah, yeah. so sometimes technology is yeah well this has been this has been a solution that i accidentally stumbled upon and i've been so excited because it it takes like seconds to get stuff on my computer now yeah so i'm gonna have to try that okay so so instead of being like that's not right please show two tenths um i showed it and and at first the kids were like no and then they'd be like wait a minute it's equivalent and we talked about look Ten of these thousandths would be one of these hundredths. And it was just such a deep conversation. All because, and then other kids started doing it around the room. One girl even put her thousandths in an array. And so we could see without counting them that there were 35 thousandths. How cool is that? Um, so it just made for a really rich discussion. It was That was a moment I could point to. Like, I wouldn't have taught this way a couple of years ago. I would have been... About compliance, right? That's where from Tracy Zager's book. Obedience. Obedience, I think, is what it was. Okay. I could talk about this forever. What was the next? I'm just <laughs> going to move on to the next big thing, which is choral counting. And mm. that's something we heard from her book. And I've been really hesitant to try it beca- and because I've never seen it implemented in class. I've watched a couple videos that are short, but I've just never seen anybody try it with big kids, the whole choral counting, like count, you know, counting around a, a with a group. Um, but I reached out to somebody, reached out to somebody on Twitter who, you know, I found like a year old tweet that they were talking about choral counting by decimals and asked a couple questions and um, I just decided to go for it. And I'll spare you the details. I posted all about it on Twitter. So we'll just, you can, we'll direct you there on the, on the show notes. But the main um, discovery is how hard it is to go from nine tenths to what comes next. Hmm. Right? So you're going six tenths, seven tenths, eight tenths, nine tenths. What do, what do they want to say? They want to say 10 tenths, right? Well, that's not wrong. It really is 10 tenths. But when they're learning to write decimals, they're going to write it. So we've been writing 0.8, 0.9. They're going to write 0.10 for 0.10. Well, that is not 10 tenths. So that's been really hard to say 0 and 10 tenths is right. But when you just wrote 0.10, that's not 10 tenths. That's all the way back to 1 tenth. That is freaking confusing, <laughs> you know, to a fifth, to a fourth grader. Um, so the, the, I think, well, first of all, I let them say, I want to defend this, de- defend this answer. And some kids knew what was going on, you know, some kids had it. And so then we use that language and I just think it's fabulous when they say, I want to defend this answer. And then they all start to say, oh, you convinced me. You convinced me. You know, I love it. Um, But for those who were still unconvinced and they thought it was 10 tenths, I just drew them back to the models, which I think was the best choice and held up the rods. Look, here's seven rods. Okay, now we have eight rods. This isn't eight tenths. Now we have nine rods. Now we have 10 rods look at it. What are 10 rods? We know it makes the flat and the flat is called one. And that I think sometimes caught them. I'm going to stop and let you say something. I don't know what you're going to say. So (laughs) when you're modeling it, do you show them that 1.0 is how it could be written so that you could see 10 tenths? So that they are then following the pattern of whole numbers. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think of my little place value um, flip cards Mm -hmm. that I have. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've. So this is like, I don't know, 10 years ago. I'm tutoring a kid in the summer in my basement and he had just finished my class sixth uh-huh. grade okay. and I pulled out this place value chart and I was like just show me three and five tenths yeah and so he's or show me whatever the point was he didn't realize that nine was going to be the biggest card 
on that flip chart. He wanted it to be a 10. Yeah. So where yeah. do you think the 10 is? So you flip it over to the whole number side and you're like, what did you do when you had ones and you wanted a 10? You changed place value. That's exactly what's happening here. And lots of times as teachers, we say, oh, you don't need that zero on the end. Well, when that zero is on the end, it's no longer one. It's 10 tenths. Mm -hmm. It has that same value. Yeah. But it's an equivalent number. And when it's 1.00, it's 100 hundredths. Yeah. We don't talk like that. Yeah. But that's the purpose of those zeros. And when you get to subtraction or adding and you have that whole like, well, you got to fill in your extra zeros. Mm -hmm. Well, you're filling in your extra zeros because you're doing one tenth minus five hundredths. So if we change one tenth to ten hundredths. Yeah. Then we can subtract five hundredths. Yeah. So it gives that Oh, you don't need the zero at the end. A purpose. A meaning. Yeah. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking back to the to the number balance, actually, because so I, I totally get the math that you're saying. But I'm also thinking about the fact that you you had a tool in mind that would teach to the misconception that was there. And I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't I never thought of using the place like the flip chart little number thing. Even if it was a whole number one, even if I didn't have a decimal one, um, to show, look, you can't put 10 in this particular place value. You have to move up to the next place value. So that goes back to that whole experience. You said old. Ugh. So that makes me older. <laughs> yeah, because you got it. Um, that was cool. Okay, I'm going to have to use that for when kids still – that's going to be in my back pocket. i got to find one of those suckers because I've probably – God, like, I don't need this. We, we're fast place value. Come on. I'm sure you've got something in your folder where you've made one. Oh. Those flip but I have some that we made. Oh. I might just have to sneak me one. Yeah. Sneak okay, good. One. I'll go back down to second grade and grab one from them. Okay. Um, so, so I've done a, a second day, a second day of um, coral counting. We did it again. And again, this time, I knew this was I knew I knew to do this, not just stick between zero and one, right? They need to see that this pattern is happening everywhere. Mm, right. um, that, so on the number line. So this next time we were working like around five, something, something, five and four hundred seven, whatever. Um, and again, when we got to five and nine tenths, we got stuck of what comes next. Five and fifteen hundredths. What in the world? Or five and uh, 0. 0.5.10. And then somebody said six. And just all kinds of answers. I think one one misconception was that we were done counting with tenths and we were going to start counting with hundredths right there. How weird hmm. is that, right? Um yeah, I'm still thinking about that one. And the girl explained it. But um, again, <laughs> the kids can explain to each other to their misconceptions sometimes better than I can. You know, I let them I let the wrong person, the person who is wrong, say what they're thinking. And then I let a kid try to set them straight. And oftentimes that works even better than if I had done it. Um, so all that to say, I've been really glad I've tried the coral counting. I the, there's a Coral Counting and Counting Collections book that has recently come out from Stenhouse, and it's at the top of my list. I actually think Jay's already bought it, right, Jay? Yeah, he said yes. So I'm getting that for Christmas. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I got to figure this out. I feel like it's this great tool um, and such rich discussions. I hope that you'll read all my t- ridiculous tweets from the last two days. But I don't have the management part yet. I'm having like three or four or six kids just dying in their seat because they're not engaged in it. So Hmm. you got any thoughts? Uh, Not on that girl. Like I need to do that. Like I need to get that book and I need to do coral counting, but I do just listening to you talk. There are so many misconceptions that students have that you don't know they have that you don't wouldn't understand. Yeah. Or you only understand because you did coral counting. Yeah. I shared this story of going to this pie shop this oh. weekend and the lady had just turned 102. Okay. And 
everyone knew it was her birthday. She had her little birthday cards and she was just telling me that she was 100. And I noticed behind her head in a frame was a letter from Barack Obama celebrating her 100th birthday on November 24th or whatever from 2016. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, so this is 2018. So you're 100 too? And she's like, no, 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 I'm 100. (laughs) And... I just was like, oh, my gosh, you're 100 and you're sitting here talking to me. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to fight with you every two years. And her daughter, who's 80, (laughs) running the shop, comes out and she's like, yeah, mama just thinks that 200 comes after 100 and she's not 200. So she's just going to be 100 for the rest of her life. (laughs) It was so cute. Like, do I need to teach her a math lesson or is that just because that's how you feel when you're 100? Like, there's nothing after that. And then this guy... Random buying a pie is like, man, I remember when I was in elementary school and I was learning to count and I could get all the way to 19. And then I would say 20 and then 30, 40, 50, 60. Yeah. There was no need for all those other numbers in between. (laughs) And the math teacher in me was like, wow, I wonder how many kids think that. And so then I said, well, how old would you be if that was really how you counted? And he's like, we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But how else would you know that? Yeah. In a first or second grade classroom, unless you counted. And he was the one who had to say what came after 20. Right. Right. And if you did it regularly, eventually he would be that person. And maybe you would never know he had that misconception, but the choral counting that you're doing mm-hmm. would have eliminated it. Mm-hmm. He would have just been like, oh. Yeah. I have to add ones after I get to 20. Right. Because I am counting by tens and I learned how to count by tens, but I didn't really know what that meant. And I don't know how to verbalize to my teacher that I don't know what counting by tens means. Yeah. Yeah. And Tracy, I'm just sitting here like, what if he could verbalize that? Like, what if he said, I don't know what it means to count by tens? Well, you count by tens. Like, how else do you teach yeah, that? Yeah. Right? Except for counting and and maybe even counting collections, not just not just counting on, you know, choral counting. Well, I'm excited to read this book. You're making me remember that Tripp did that. He used to go, watch, Mom, I can count to 10,000. Watch how fast I can count to 10,000. So he'd go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And sometimes he would either go, then he'd go 10, 20, 30, or he would go all the way to 100. And even if he got to 100, then he'd go 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 10, well, 100. Or maybe he said 1,000 at that point because we talked about it. And then he'd go 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. So he, he was just moving up the place values. I, I never thought of the connection between that's what my kids are doing in decimals somehow. It's very much related, like not realizing you have to add on the same amount you've already been counting. So I just thought of something, too. You're recording with a marker or something on the board while they're counting. You're writing it? Yeah. So what if you wrote it as fractions? So sometimes they're they're bringing that up. Hmm. Sometimes they're, they're relating it, which I thought has been really cool. Um, I think I should go there, but I think right now there's enough... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's enough confusion in some kids that adding one more thing and also making it just that much longer to sit and listen to us all do it. Oh, true. Could tank us, you know, but that's a perfect idea when we get to doing that specifically the fraction and decimal relationship. I've never done them together, like introduced them just smack on together. Um, I've always done one and then the other. I'm not sure how I think about that. But. Right. I will say that when introducing fractions, I spend a long time talking about the denominator is the name of the piece. Yeah. So you've already named your pieces, your tenths and your hundredths and yeah. your thousands. Yeah. And they have that name because that's how many it takes to make a whole. Right. So I do this activity in my class where everyone writes fourth, fifth, tenth, seventh on a name tag and it says, hello, my name is seventh. Mm -hmm. And then we group them and then they have to describe in a sentence, oh, look, there's four sevenths. Oh, look, there's three fifths. Mm -hmm. That's how you talk. Yeah. So it 
helps them see that the denominator isn't necessarily the amount of pieces because sometimes a fraction is representing something that's not pieces. Right. Yeah. So it's just the name. That's their name. That's the noun of it. And it really helps them to put it all together with how you're talking about it Mm -hmm. and helps them understand that there's really just one, you know, three fifths is one number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not two numbers. So there's merit in that. I'm just kind of looking ahead for you that you've already established that this is called a tenth Mm -hmm. and we're counting and that's why the numerator is changing. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> that reminds me of something I feel like I've learned in the last year, which how important it is to count by fractions also, mm-hmm. you know, like what happens after you get to five or four fifths, then five fifths, you should keep going six tenths, seven tenths, eight tenths, and then, and then counting, going back and taking that number line and changing it into mixed numbers. Um, oh, we've got a long ways to go, don't we? <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm excited to try to put those ideas together. I think we've built a good foundation Mm -hmm. is what you're saying. All right, friend. Um, Looking ahead, I've started, just barely started this project about decimals. I was telling you about it yesterday. And um, I didn't really get anywhere except for explaining it. So we'll we'll table that and I'll talk about if something, hopefully, fingers crossed, something cool comes out of that. And see, I'm going to do that same thing with my sixth graders today (laughs) at the end of their test. Yeah. I'm, this I'm, is what I want you to do when you're done. So we'll see how two years of into decimals and my students divide yeah. if they can describe them different yeah. ways. And the, and and how it impacts that they've done all these operations with them, not just naming them and modeling them. You know, that's what your kids have ahead of mine is they've done all the adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing. All right. We forgot to do a takeaway last week. What's your takeaway? Do you have one? I am going to choral count. Woo! Um, and hello, I taught multiplying decimals and I never did having and doubling. Oh, oh, like some of those things just slip out of your head. So yeah, we're going to, what do you notice? What do you wonder? And I don't know. I just feel like that's why this is so good because you have all these things in your head and in the throes of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. I wish I could say that I wrote down everything in my lesson plans that I was going to say or do. but To remember and to remember next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my takeaway. Coral counting and having doubling. And I got to do it before I forget. So yeah. It's on. So mine's kind of related. That whole something I have used before but had forgotten about that flip chart idea. And when I come across, because I know it's going to persist for some kids, come across kids that want to just go into 10 when you get to eight and then nine and then 10 of the same unit that you're counting by on the decimal talk, showing them look what happens in, in whole numbers. We've, we don't, there's not a 10 behind that one. We have to move up to the next place value. So I'm going to put my hands on one of those suckers and use it. All right. It's been real. Thanks friend. See you tomorrow. tomorrow. Bye.